0: So Pastor Mike calls me last night, and I knew it was coming. And Not to levy anything difficult at him, but I just didn't know how it was going to present himself, uh, or the Lord was going to present that opportunity to me. But I've had a message over the last several weeks that's just been bubbling in me, and, and I wrote some of that down, and it comes from a message that came out of last fall. And uh, came out of the midst of everything that was going on pre-election, uh, pre, uh, or in the midst of COVID, and uh, and I'm looking over my shoulder at what I have seen in the kingdom of God and what I have seen in the body of Christ, and I wanted to share that with you today. So, Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of being a servant submitted to you in love and gratitude. And Lord, for your word to go forth in power this morning to accomplish all that you sent it forth to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought, Okay. And I had a swirl I've had this past two weeks. I've had a swirl of emotions, a swirl of thoughts, now, even in my dreams. But I've got a little prayer closet that is a place where I can go and be alone, a place where I can meet with him got to have that place i've had i've had some odd places where i called that prayer closet this one is my shop out and back and many times during the day i'm out there but i can't walk in there first thing in the morning and not meet with him that's how i know it's a prayer place and i can't walk in in the evening no matter what time of year it is, to walk into that shop in the evening and not feel his presence and tell him how much I love him. And God willing, this evening, I'll be in that place, in my little shop. And by the way, my shop isn't very big. It's where I keep all my tools. It's where I do all my bicycle work, all my restorations. A little chilly this time of year, but I still go out there and I pray. And I will thank him for the privilege of being here, serving Pastor Mike, and serving you as I serve him. So this morning, Larry's back there. He's got one verse for me. And I want that up on the screen. There we go. This is going to be the foundation of what I want to speak to you in regard to what we're going through right now the troubling times that we're in right now, as well as what should go beyond this as a solidifier, to take everything that is not solid ground and make it concrete. Jesus said this in Matthew ten twenty eight, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather... Fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. All through my life, before I finally submitted and gave my life to Christ, before I just laid it down and said, Lord, I am so tired of being independent, going my own way. I am tired of sin. I'm tired of the guilt and the shame. Yes, I felt all that all through my teen years. I knew what it was to be saved, but ran hard from the age of four years old all the way up to 23. And when I gave my life to the Lord, there was no gaming him. This thing of trying Jesus or this term accepting him. Nonsense. Oh, nothing grates me when I... I accepted the Lord. Really? That makes Jesus look like he's back here. I hope he accepts me with hat in hand, bowing to us, waiting for us to accept him. He died for you, for me. I knew that at the age of four. I was miserable until 23. And I finally said, Lord, that's enough. I've worked with those in recovery programs, 12-step programs, and I've had kids in 12-step programs, they look at me and they say, how did you do it? I said, easy. His name was John. He's really big, and first thing, it was not even daylight, you know, cold weather, and first thing in the morning, and we're going off to their special um, uh, court foster program recovery high school, and we're going into Charlevoix, and and I looked at him and I said, how did I do what, John? He said, he said, you mean to tell me that when you laid down drugs and alcohol, you never went back to it? How did you do that? I just looked at him and I said, one word, God. He says, well, I tried that. How did you do it? I said, it's simple, John. Don't game God. Don't play around with him. See, too often people don't understand the fear of God. I want to bring to you this morning the benefits of the fear of God. I don't, I don't tremble like the devil trembles. The devil knows Jesus. The devil knows God, and he trembles. That's what it's in the Word. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but you know, I am a. I'm not an exhaustive teacher, but I can be an exhausting preacher. I go home and I'm like, oh. oh, the difference between teaching and preaching is really simple. A teacher explains and a preacher proclaims. We need the both of them. That's a good one to remember. I was brought up as a youth pastor under um, under a teacher, Pastor Jeff Halavin. Uh he's, he's now our district superintendent, and I was brought up under him it's like oh lord thank you that just to be around this guy what a what a story i could tell but the big thing is that in that time i learned the difference of this weird calling that god has given me i didn't know how he's going to work it out but this morning is a product of that you know where it all started fear of god you know it's really cool is when i laid down my life to jesus i, I had no intention to ever picking it up i had a friend that immediately i was going to have to push away i understood that i understood that I, I had i had such a an opening of the heavens to where i could see the veil was pulled away i could see beyond my years in christ it's only been a week and i went to this friend's house he says I, in fact, it hadn't been a week, it was like that very Sunday, and I had to go and get something from his house because my life was changed, and I had something there that I thought I've got to get this back and deal with it. And so I went to him and, and I, I told him, I, he says, "I hear you got saved." He was backslidden. "I hear you got saved." And I said, "I did. I had a choice at that moment. Do I fear God or do I fear man? I had a choice at that moment. I said, I got saved. Yes, I did. I met Jesus. He looks at me and he says, how long will it last? Now, he's doing his very best to stay on the straight road, and I've been there to help him. And, you know, he he came back to the Lord. But like anybody can and will, there's a struggle there. And I stand with him in those struggles. But he was the one that asked me that. I never brought that up to him. I won't even say who it was or is. When I met Jesus, I knew right away that my life was no longer my own. You didn't have to put me through a discipleship course. I knew what it meant. I knew for the first time I could read the Bible, and and it was my soul was soaking it up. I had a living bible back in those days and I read it cover to cover in the matter of a week. In those days there was nothing else to do. We didn't have phones to play around, computers to play around on. I didn't have I didn't even have a job that winter. I was laid off basically effectively laid off and and I took that that week And my wife and I both soaked it up. We were saved on the same day. And the fear of God is what has kept me. Don't fear governments. Don't fear what a government can bring you. I was telling Tom before the service this morning I, in the past two weeks that swirl that was going around me you know, I, is that I had, a, I had a word from the Lord I love it when he speaks to me for me not for you or for others but for me I have often preached that we are not to love the world or the things in this world 1 John 2.15 We are not to love the world or the things in the world or those that will, goes on further because those who love the world and the things of the world do not have the love of the Father in them. Now, by just by rote, you can have that in your life, but how many of us often do not understand how much we love something until it's taken away from us. And that's when the Lord spoke to me. And he said very clearly, Rip, why why do you ask me to bless a country that I should judge. Now, if you're one of the patriots and pro-Trumpers, this has got nothing to do with that. The devil is attached to both sides. I like my rights. I like my freedom. I used to say, I love this country, but I love the kingdom of God more. Oh, there's a little conflict of Scripture right there. Do not love the world. The United States of America is no longer united and pretty soon not to be states, but the state. It's coming. No matter what happens on January 21st all the way through, it's inevitable, you understand. And so whether I'm speaking prophetically into the next couple weeks or speaking prophetically into the next couple of years, Where's your home? You know, I've got the address of 320 East Pine on my mailbox in my house. That's not where I live. My home is in heaven. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to change really quick. And things I've heard one, more than one person, things are getting bad really fast. If you understand the news, uh-huh. Do you know that America is under judgment right now? I know a lot of people don't want to receive that. There are even theologians and preachers and prophets that say, no, we're not, no, we're not. How come we have to fight so hard for what is right? How come we have to fight through this election for the first time in over 200 and some odd years we've, we've had to do this? How come? How come we have COVID that we're dealing with worldwide and America is what? We are just as bad. We're being judged with the world in that. Why? Are you ready for the kingdom to come? I know you are. I am. I long for it. I hunger for it. But I will not pray for God to prop up a nation that is under judgment, that he is in line and will judge. Judge for what? Why do we think we deserve God to do anything for our country? 4,000 babies every day are murdered and have been since 1974. Every day, the silent scream. Homosexuality is no longer something that's in the closet, but I mean it's coming from the pulpits. Well, that all the apostasy is upon us. Don't ask the Lord to take it away when he said it was going to happen. Thessalonians. We are in the falling away. You know what the next thing is? The next thing is for the Antichrist to appear. You're going to ask the Lord to take him out of our lives? Wrath is coming. I'm a a pre-trib, good all-American, pre-trib rapture believer. Why? Because I believe that we will not, according to Scripture, be under wrath. You know, when you look at the story of Joseph in Egypt, God prepared a place called Goshen. When the worst, when, when the judgments came down outside of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's court to where it was going to affect the whole country and kingdom of Pharaoh, that there was a place where God kept his people. Yes, they were still slaves, 400 years of it. But deliverance was coming. But he had a place called Goshen for them. Go back and read those again. going to be on the ark and not treading water i believe everything that scripture has to say about us not being judged with the world in wrath we're not under his wrath you want to know who's under wrath and who's not under wrath you know go back to john 3 you know john three sixteen, the wonderful verse so god love god so loved the world and you go a little bit further and it says these who are under God's wrath. What is it, verse 30 or 31? I don't know. It's floating around out there. It's in chapter 3. Same chapter, same context. Same thing that he was telling Nicodemus. So, what about today? What about tomorrow? What about January 20th? I want you to know this. God is still God. We are his people. And he has a place of safety for us. You've heard Pastor Mike preaching about about when it comes to this election and what you choose, and now what we're praying for, don't be praying for God to sustain your lifestyle. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Don't pray for God that everything would be just okay. We don't know what okay is in America anymore. There were over 50 Christians who denied, who were told to deny Christ or die over this past week. They refused to deny Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they were put to death right on the spot. Another continent. And when I heard that, I, every time I hear that, it's like, oh, God, and I complain because I don't get a good parking spot at Walmart. Well, I don't, but you know what I mean i park furthest away to get away from everybody. I believe that I like my my truck to have social distancing from other people. From other cars, excuse me. So, our basis of life in the kingdom comes down to the fear of the Lord. What are the benefits of this? Well, before, before we first do this, I want you to know that preaching on the fear of God has not been very popular in these fast-growing churches that you see across the USA. And the Lord opened my eyes to that when There, there was a period of five years, six years, where, where Vicky and I were not uh, pastoring a flock, or, but we were called to a particular flock. That's when we came back here, and uh, not to pastor, but just to, just to support Mike and Chris. We love them. And uh, I wasn't pastoring, and I, it's like, Lord, I'm not even pushing against this. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm not going to like it at all. Well, he in, indeed did that later on, but, but we're back here now. But in those times where I just wanted to rest, I learned this. I learned this. We went to a church for a space of a year that did everything they could to censor certain words in the Bible from people in the flocks. Those words were this. Repentance, they downplayed it. They, You know, you can't get away from repentance. But repentance, that was not preached. In fact, it was watered down. And said this, it's just changing your mind. Really? You mean sin doesn't have anything to do with that? Do you mean, you mean the... Seriously? Then one of the other words that you never heard were these words of submission, obedience. But what was preached was, Father God. I thank God for the dad that I had. He kept me straight. I knew right or wrong, you know, when mom says, you go to your room till dad comes home. Dad always came home. I learned that. But there was a certain church where they, they preached against and bleached out such words like the fear of God. And the Lord put me there for a year. One particular Sunday during the message, when the leader was speaking, I'll say, said something terribly offensive to me because it was against the word of God. My wife looked at me and she goes, she whispers, she goes, we're not going to be here very long, are we? And I smiled and I said, no. We'll go when the Lord tells us to go, but we're not going to be here long. It was a year. It opened my eyes to what was going on with this movement that started out west and started even in a place, not even in our country, but it began to take away the fear of God. Now, when you do that, and when when people aren't fed the whole counsel of the Word of God are given 20-minute sermons that revolve around, let's, let's not put, oh, that's, that's a biblical word that people aren't going to be able to take. Well, hello, that's what being a disciple is all about, being taken down here and pulled up and saying, come on, that's discipling. We're called to make disciples. I pastored at a church that had in their vision about loving God, loving people, and making disciples everywhere you go. Yes, everywhere but in church. This is what is upon us across America. If it's here, you know it's everywhere. Get out of that mess. Because that's how deception comes in. That's how the devil can deceive us very quickly, because the first thing you do is you take away the fear of God. You take away the benefits from the fear of God. Let me, I don't need, I've got most of these memorized, but I'm just going to bring to you the, the first thing that we see the fear of God giving us is Psalm 37, 4, where it says, The angel of the Lord encamps. Round about them that fear Him. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear Him. The fear I'm not talking about is, you know, fear has torment. Sin has torment. Sin brings those things. If you've been in sin, run to the Father. Don't fear Him. Repent receive again that love, receive again that joy, the joy of salvation to which David, when he had sinned with Bathsheba and committed murder in the third person, said, don't take the joy of salvation from me. Lord, don't. Return it to me, Lord. Return it to me. I didn't know what joy was until that day. I heard a message from the Lord and it was, it was, I could tell you the exact service. I could tell you the preacher. I could tell you, I could tell you every moment of it. It was in 1981, April 5th. I knew this when it came time, because I've sat in these Pentecostal churches before. I knew this, this was going to happen. Sat there with my wife and, every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking around. And I thought, all I have to do is get through this. I didn't call it an altar call. To me, it was just something that happened as part of church. If I could just get through that, I'll go out the door, and I'll go out and I'll be okay. And the Lord spoke to me and warned me. He says, if you will not... Repent of your sin. I'm going to stop bothering you. This will be my last time. Part of my testimony. So I looked over at my wife, and she's in tears. And me, I'm like fear and trembling. I didn't like what I was feeling. And there are those that don't like me right now. You should have seen me before I met Christ. Like a certain comedian used to say, I've already been helped. But I want to tell you something. When you meet the Lord in his power, in scripture, that things come alive, including you. And one of the very first things I learned was that the angel of the lord encamps around you. Do you believe in angels? Of course you do. Have you seen them lately? Maybe you've heard of those that you think they're crazy, you know, yeah, this person talks about angels sees angels and even hears them talk. Don't you know that some we entertain angels unaware? Do you think for a moment you were talking to a stranger when it was really an angel? Don't you know that? We are supernatural beings because our citizenry is not here on this planet. We are legal aliens. (laughs) That's what we are. The first thing that you need to know is the angel of the Lord encamps round about you. There are angels that follow you. Out in front of you. Look for them. I heard one person say that he saw angels saying, this one gets it. They don't. That doesn't turn an angel away from you because they're servants of the Lord. They are given to us. They are given to us. Hebrews 1, I think it's verse 14, it says... Don't you know that these angels are given to you as servants? Servants! Raise your faith a little bit higher. Let the Lord pull back that veil. He encamps around you. Angels encamp around you. (laughs) Elisha. Elisha. In the story... When they were surrounded by an army that wanted to kill them, and they were in a the house, they weren't in a the stronghold, they are spending the night in this place, and, and the servant comes in, and he's ash and white, and he says, we are surrounded. Elijah steps out the door, and he says to the Lord, would you open my servant's eyes that he may see that they are surrounded. You know the story I'm talking about? Good story. We have so much more. And especially in the end times in which we live. Raise your faith a little higher. The fear of the Lord brings protection to you. Not to your body, because we fear him who is able to kill both body and soul in hell. Don't fear death. Because you fear God. Don't fear man. Because you fear God. Here's a second benefit. Proverbs 9.10. The beginning of all, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, that's in a couple places in Scripture. And I love how Scripture interprets Scripture. But have you ever, you know, in, in accordance with this verse, one of the benefits of fearing the Lord is that it gives you wisdom. Have you seen people doing, uh, Christians, Professing Christians do stupid things. Hmm? Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. You know the fear of the Lord will prevent you at least reduce you doing stupid things? Now, I know, I know, I know. When you, when you, when you get through all that, you, you know, you hear the ones say, who have no fear of the Lord, draining fear of the Lord, you hear them say this little phrase, nobody's perfect we all make mistakes is there the fear of the lord in that i hear compromise 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 has a language compromise hears a voice go to my page on facebook i've got a list of what it looks like and what it sounds like compromise has a voice and one of them is this that says i'm not perfect nobody's perfect And I look at that and I say, what? Have you made some mistakes that you shouldn't have? Don't you fear the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The very beginning of it. Now, some of it we learn by experience. We learn how to do, you know, things according to this this world. But I, I know this, that when things really start stinking around my house, that I didn't obey the wisdom of taking my trash out last two weeks. Get the trash out of your life and it won't stink. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. There have been times when the Lord has called me to churches and opened my eyes to things that I didn't want to see. And if I had known it, I never would have passed through there. I would have run in disobedience to God. One of them is, you know, just, you know, one of the things you do for your engine to take care of your engine is to open up the hood, get your hands a little bit dirty, grab the dipstick, and check your oil. If you don't, that engine's going to start knocking, and pretty soon you're going to need a new one. We all know to check the dipstick. Are you a quart low? Put the quart in. Be done with it. Shut the hood. Be on your way. But if it's down a quart low and you checked it, you better know that sooner or later it's going to be two quarts low. Find out where that first quart went. Check your oil. So when I go into it, uh, it's called a, a diagnostic thing, you know, when something goes wrong with your car. You hook it up to the scope back in the old days. Today you plug it into your data port and laptop and the mechanic tells you everything that's wrong with your car. Everything wrong with your car. It's another thing for believers to go and visit a church and you see there's no fear there. You know what the first you know what the first diagnostic is, the first symptom of a church that no longer has the fear of the Lord. So I thank God for for being here with Pastor Mike, is that you won't you won't see that downplayed at all. But I'll tell you what, the first thing you go to a church that has not the fear of God being preached at some point or another, or the or the, the manners thereof, the spirit thereof, the first thing that you're gonna notice right away is that there are a lot of there's a lot of issues in the church that could be fixed if they just had the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean one lord to get over another, and you've probably been some, through some abusive things where it's like I can't stay there. I'm getting away from that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when, when, and I've and I've told people that I've told pastors, you know, that had said, "Oh, I'm so busy with counseling." I said, "Do you preach on the fear of the Lord?" And I didn't brag to him that I didn't have any of the problems that he had. I merely, <laughs> but I could have. Why? Because it's a testimony of the Lord. Is grace. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. That means it will keep you from doing dumb things, spiritually stupid things, doing things that you were warned against. Even Billy Graham said this 40, 50 years ago. Billy Graham said, he said this, that you can't be sowing wild oats all week, come into the house of God on Sunday and pray Or a crop failure. Fear of the Lord. is a valuable thing. There are benefits from it that you and I might not understand. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You know what the kindness is? It means he didn't strike you dead before he gave you another chance to repent. That is what that verse means. Godly sorrow works repentance. (laughs) You know, there's Esau's tears, crying over things that he was caught and shouldn't have done, and Esau was judged for that. I think it's in Peter that says this about Esau, that he, he sought repentance, did not find it, even with many tears. That which was to be given to him was taken away. Should never have happened. Stupid, stupid, stupid. What, for a pot of beans? For carnal desires? No, it was his pride. He was better than big brother. But wait, there's more. Another benefit. the fear of the Lord and I've been leading into this every point of the way here in the book of Exodus the Israelites have been taken out in the book of Exodus chapter 19 if you got a Bible app turn there if you got your Bible with you turn there but in Exodus 19 verses 16 through 19 Moses was leading the people to the mountain of God. And by the way, if you haven't known this, that Cecil B. DeMille in that movie by, with Charlton Heston, um, uh, The Ten Commandments, I want you to know that they did it all wrong. Hollywood. Moses didn't get the Ten Commandments and then come down and give it to the people. Preach it to the people. It wasn't like that at all. God spoke vocally. Can you imagine God speaking vocally to what was it? Five, six, four million millions of people of all ages? The Lord God was going to speak from a mountain. and you know, most people when they speak, we think, well, he's either got a microphone, that's how I'm hearing him, or I'm reading his lips because he's a far away, and there was none of that with god here's what here's what happened in that account, and it was for a good reason to which I want to bring to you in a few moments. On the morning of the third day, this is point number three in my final point, by the way, so hang in there. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain. Not a good day to go outside, is it? A very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled God was scaring the billy wickers out of them they said Moses bring him to the mountain so I can scare them within an inch of their life and every other little phrase you want to be talk about this was way beyond that way beyond that and he brings them close and the first thing is that it's a stormy day to begin with, but this is a supernatural storm. This isn't your normal storm. And then comes a trumpet blast, so loud that it... Have you ever been near a train when it blasts? Grab your ears, don't you? Loud noises can produce that when it's a shock. You know, we go to rock concerts, you know, when we were younger. Some of us have lost our hearing and enjoyed doing so. But there come times when it's a sudden thing that you didn't expect, and it drives you to your knees. Give you an instance. My wife and I took our son. Our son Spencer was only probably uh, less than two years old. She was pushing him in the stroller. And we were at the, the air show in Grayling at the Air National Guard Base. We were there actually at the tower at the live gunnery range, okay? Live gunnery range. Back in the day, you could do that, I enjoyed doing that. I've gone there several times to be up in the tower with, uh, uh, with the officer on deck to watch the jets come in and strafe and be on their way. We, we had this this jet come in. It's like, cool, I'm watching jets. First time there. Watching jets, and then all of a sudden, a blast from that 20-millimeter Gatlin gun went off, 6,000 rounds a minute, and it was, and I mean, it was so, I'd never heard a noise like that. And I I was looking for something to grab a hold of, and all of a sudden, I stood up, and I was embarrassed no one else did that, because they expected it. I didn't. I didn't know what that noise was. It was so loud that from that day forward, my son was always, it hurts my ears. It scares my ears. They went to the mountain. It's already storming. That would already put them in the mood that it's not going to be a normal day. Normal. Normal. And it was God's intent that that would be the new norm. There would be no norm after that. And they were coming to the mountain to have a meeting with God. They'd seen Moses go to the mountain and him coming back and to use that Cecil B. The Mill thing. You know, Moses' hair is blown back, you know, like... Like he had a, a ride on a jet ski, you know, just you know it's not black anymore, it was gray. And so they come to the mountain and the trumpet blasts. Let's read on. Or you can listen on. Everybody in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke builded up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. Earthquake. I've never been in an earthquake. I can't tell you what it's like. But this was not your normal kind of earthquake. This was not an earthquake that was measurable On the Richter scale, this was an earthquake that was shaking the mountain, rocks falling down, the whole thing, shaking the mountain, trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai. And called Moses to the top of the mountain. He says, Go down and warn the people so they don't force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. So, when all of this happened, and you look in context, you know, for me, I turn a page and it goes into chapter 20, and chapter 20 tells us, It says, God spoke all these words didn't write them down on a tablet for Moses to go down and speak them. It was first spoken, his voice, his voice and all of everything else that went with it. And he begins to speak, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says, I am your God. After everything they had been through, to watch the Lord bring heavenly judgment raining down on Pharaoh and ruining Egypt. Egypt was ruined. Pharaoh, his armies buried in the ocean. Dead. It took hundreds of years for Egypt to recover from that. Egypt was destroyed by that. And yet they came away from that without the fear of the Lord Because Moses did all the hearing. Moses did all the business with God. And they never heard him speak like Moses heard him speak. You might say Moses was a veteran. And they were rookies. On a supernatural scale, cosmically beyond anything we could imagine, Look at verse 14. When the people saw the thunder and lightning, heard the trumpet, and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear, and they stayed at a distance. I can say right now that there was nobody in that bunch that was saying, Moses, how close can we get to God? Moses already told them, don't touch the mountain. That's Holy. Just stay, you know, if they had that yellow tape, you know, Moses would have brought it out. But he said, probably posted some elders there. We don't know. I don't know. But this we do know. That they stayed at a distance. You know what that was? That was not an obedience to God distance. This was a self-imposed distance. I have been in churches and been around enough where people would would the pastor would read a huge prayer list and when i came into this church and every week i saw this huge prayer list where no one was receiving an answer i began to ask the lord and one day the answer came to me and it was like oh my goodness there are people that would that know that in their sin that like they don't deserve serve God God won't answer this well repent and he will well the problem is they had never received a good word of the Lord from the church and I was there for two years to deliver it to them not knowing how they were going to react to it and one moment the Lord gave it to me as a word of the Lord it like hit me in the back of the head and I said this is a prayerless church because of prayerless believers prayerless are because people aren't serving the Lord and they don't have the faith that God would answer them in their disobedient lives. And so they give it to someone who they deem as being obedient. They deem as one that hears from God because I don't want to hear him. I don't want to walk in the fear of the Lord when I have a need from God. I'm going to go to the man of God that I know is obedient and I'm going to have him ask for me. Nonsense. Go to the mountain. Get the fear of the Lord. You'll understand what it is that repentance gives life. Oh. so many today are walking in disobedience and when bad things happen. When bad things happen, they go to you And they go to me because they know that we're serving the Lord. That's why they come to you. I was telling my sister up there in the booth, you're in a good place. Not up in the booth, but I mean, she'll know what I'm talking about. While you are praying for them, deliver to them a word. Repent for the kingdom of God is that hand. Do you know how close your hand is to you? It's never out of reach. But yet people won't receive that and reach out and grab it. Why? Because they want to live their lives according to them. There's something about the Marines and the Marine Corps. I I was not in the service. That's one of my regrets. And come to think of it, they wouldn't take me because of my flat feet anyway, but I've always respected those who went through the Marine Corps because they had to go through basic training and they survived it. The first thing basic training is, and some of you already know this, and (laughs) my sister over here knows it, uh, that that there's some military branches that are so disciplined. Marine Corps does this all the time. When someone comes in, the first thing they do is they destroy the individuality of the raw recruit. And they're called every manner of insulting, degrading name. They, they are told you can't think this. And we'll tell you how to talk. This is how you talk. We're going to tell you how to do this. And when they come out of it, they can fight together because they are all brought together. And then when they go into battle, they're again brought together. One of the true stories that came out of the Vietnam War, two Marines were laying there and they're laying in a bomb crater, and they're trying to hold on to this bridge. The NVA, the, I mean China, is coming after them and coming across the bridge, and, and, and they, they knew that they were going to die. Did they get up and run? Marines don't run. They don't retreat. Death before dishonor. You know how, how well that lends to the Christian's life? Isn't that what we are called? is that we don't fear the enemy. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job 33, something or other. That's an amazing thought. So they were laying in the, and they were looking at each other, and I mean, they were going to die. And the one looks at the other and said, this is still easier than boot camp. Had a pastor with a missionary, and this is a true story. They were laying in a. Uh, this is back during the Banana Republic wars in Central America. Still a lot of that going on. That was not an era. That was the beginning of. And there was a a pastor and a missionary. The pastor was visiting that missionary on a missions trip to visit the missionary who actually lives there and ministers there. And they were on their backs uh, that. Like many of the um, the buildings in that day and that time still are built with uh, concrete wall or blocks, you know, about this high, and then the rest of it is, is thatch or more wooden or natural structure. But uh, they were laying on their backs as low as they could get, and bullets were zinging, <laughs> tracers, <laughs> shooting, ripping up people, killing people, and the one missionary, the missionary... That's his home. He starts laughing. And the pastor looks at him with astonished eyes and he goes, What's so funny? And he says, I'd still rather be here than pastoring in the United States. Pray for your pastor. You have no idea. You've got some. There was a reason why the Lord brought them to the mountain. Because first of all, he wanted them to have good theology. (laughs) Correct theology. And it goes like this. And you will see what this means. They said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Truth of the matter is, when you hear God speak, there is an element of death in it. And it is this. If you've got some part of the flesh that you have allowed to be uncrucified, that will feel like death to you. Let it die. Paul said we are crucified daily. Fear of the Lord. They said, "He said Moses, go and speak. We don't, we don't want to hear God speak. You go and hear from God. We don't want to hear from God ourselves because we're going to die." Time out. Was it true? Were they right? They were so wrong. They lived. They lived in disobedience. Another trip around the mountain. Why? Right here. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. You read that before? I'm sure you have. It's so easy to read through the Bible in one year just to do it to say you did it and feel like you've accomplished something, but how much have you forgotten from that because you didn't read it for content, you're for, not for content, but for comprehension to get something out of it. was out of this church some 25, 30 years ago. I, I was going through some notes of, uh, of things that, all kinds of records were left here when I came in here to pastor in, in the spring of 2002. And one of the things that I looked at in there was this. Someone and, I can, and, and, and he was one of the saints from here. Much loved. Served God with his whole heart. And he said this, I believe that, that Christians are missing it because they don't read the Bible until they get something out of it. We usually stop. Before that, read until you get something out of it. And that's exactly what we see here: is that the the fear of God will keep you from sinning. It will. Doesn't mean that you won't be tempted, but the fear of God will keep you from sinning. So it says in verse twenty one. Anyway, the people did it anyway. They said, "It says here that." Moses writes, the people, re- were, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Hmm. They didn't want any of that jazz. Did they know a golden calf experience was right around the corner? The golden calf whatever happened to that is that an icon somewhere that that you know on maybe on the History channel some guys searching for to try to find that golden calf you know that had to be worth something whatever happened to the golden calf Bible trivia the Bible tells us about it what happened to the golden calf you know the story read about it right after the they refused refused. They stayed at a distance from God. You stay over there and Moses, you go and here for us. You see what they were doing? They were setting up their own little theology. Setting up their own little system. And what they didn't know was they needed the fear of God. They needed a relationship with Him to follow His laws, His decrees, His commands and to follow His leading. Golden calf happened. Moses comes down out of the mountain. Joshua. Joshua says, Lord, I hear war. The sound of war. They were partying, orgying. That's a new word. Having orgies, getting drunk, doing everything they ought not to do. And one of the things they did was they presented a whole bunch of gold treasures given to them that was going to be supposed to be used in the temple those golden treasure pieces, they went to Aaron. And they said, just throw this, you know, thing in the fire. Why don't you make us a golden calf so we can worship that? So what happened to the golden calf? Moses told them to grind it up into a powder. How easy would that be? Not very easy, would it? That's a lot of work. Well, they had time. Grind up that idol. Make yourself a drink and drink it. Yeah. Drink it. That object of ugliness, drink it. You wanted it, drink it. So, that self imposed distance thing, don't you know that that's still done today? That's why people who don't serve the Lord will come to you. The ones that aren't on fire and you kind of wonder are they saved or not saved. Some people remove all doubt, I know, but they really show you. But they'll come to you with a prayer request. And God will often, in his great grace, because it is all about his greatness, that he will answer that with a miracle to see what they do with it. God answered Egypt. The Israelites in Egypt with a great miracle of deliverance. And they came out of Israel. They came out and they were free for the first time in 400 years. They were free. They said, Moses, we want to give you a prayer list. And you take that to the Lord and, and, and that'll... Do you see that being done in the church today? It is. And in some churches more than ever. I, I love prayer lists because it's time to see God move. And I hope you understand what I'm saying here is that I'm not knocking prayerless. I'm knocking what you see that comes through. And the prayerless is this long. And you're, you're dealing with the people who walk in the power and the authority of God. It ought not be that long. And you know what? They aren't. They aren't. This is still an operation today. The fear of the Lord teaches us not to fear man. Not to fear the devil, not to fear anything except God himself. The fear of the Lord will keep you from doing dumb things because of the wisdom that comes out of it. The Lord will show you some things. He'll bring to you protection as he encamps around you. Wonderful, wonderful benefit. The best part about it is you feel his presence. and That always brings comfort to the believer comfort over the next couple of weeks when you see stuff coming unraveled like a cheap sweater do know this that god is encamping around you don't get fearful don't get anxious we are living in unparalleled times don't listen to what comes down the pipe Keep your ear bent toward God. Do know this. There are always times when our faith is stretched because our faith gets weak. Where does faith come from? Easy. It comes from the hearing of the word of the Lord. That's where it comes from. Get back into the word more. If you're Get back. I'm assuming everybody doesn't. More than what we have. Get back to the word. Read it. Study it. Know what it's saying. I do that. There are times when things come against me. It's like I need to have some peace here. I'll get into the Word. I'll start quoting Scripture. That's why I memorize it. I didn't memorize it because the teacher made us quote it the next week for shame. You know, It's like I, I'm not good at doing that. And, uh, <laughs> but I've asked the Lord, would you please help me hide this in my heart that I might not sin against you? So how are you doing with that? We're going to make it through this, you know. We don't know what's going to come this week. Stuff like this happens. I always say life is an adventure. If someone's going through a life-threatening thing, how can you say that? It's because I know I'm dead in Christ already. You can't kill me. I don't like pain any more than anybody else does. In fact, I'm kind of wimpy about it. But if I know if it comes down to denying Christ, I'm going to walk through that, and I'm going to step over the threshold to meet my Jesus. Don't be afraid of what comes. Don't be afraid of what's out there that you cannot see. Don't be anxious. It doesn't add one inch to your stature is what the Lord said in Matthew 6. Would you stand with me, please? I'm done. <laughs> Take a collective sigh in relief. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness. Jackie, if you want to go up there and play a song, go ahead. You know your place. Tom, thank you. Lord, you've had me say a lot. I had no idea it would be this much. But Lord, this word is going out further than the sanctuary. And Lord, so I pray the ones that are here this morning will receive a holy fire of the Lord to lift them up to strengthen him. When we are weak, you are strong. In our weakness, your strength is perfected. So we would, as Paul said, rather be weak than strong. And Lord, in our weakness in times like this, oh God, may we see that perfect strength come alongside us in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray a blessing of peace on these people. I pray a blessing of strength on these people. I pray that the power of God would be manifest in their lives, visible in their lives. Lord, there's nothing like the manifested presence of God. Lord, I pray for a releasing of miracles, those very things that we've been praying for and praying into quoting scripture over and believing for your promise to heal to put marriages back together to bring peace into turmoil be done quickly by the name of Jesus for your greatness lord your greatness Lord, I want to thank you that you're a God of promises. Your word is full of them. Father, I pray that your promises we would see are there for your greatness. You love to be greater and show yourself as great. The preeminent one. The matchless one. The ancient of days. The one who sits high above this earth. Show yourself strong, Lord. In Jesus' name.